You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to the Flow Theory Podcast. One of the most improved players on the Ohio Bobcat football roster during his time there from 2005 to 2009. Former Ohio Bobcat defensive back, Thad Turner. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Thad. Hey, what an intro, man. I appreciate you, Wade, man. I always have, man. You, you've been sticking out for me and uh, and uh, praising me and telling people how good I was before I was even playing, man. You know, I always love it. <laughs> appreciate you, bro. Hey, no problem at all, day. man. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm honest when I assess guys, you know, and I'll never forget the time with you was, when you when you were really really early in your career, when I when I first watched you, I'll never forget the moment. And I don't know if you want to talk about this, but this is like part of your journey. Someone I forget who it was, man. They absolutely trucked you one day in practice, yeah. and I'll never forget it because you had like a stoic look on your face and I, I could tell, I could tell it really stung, you know, like that sucks. Like yeah. any, any, for any football player to get trucked like that, but for you to come from that moment to, you know, you can either do one of two things, you know, you can either go in the tank and give up or you can get stronger and improve. And, you know, you chose the latter and that's part of what made you such a great player at Ohio, man. Well, you know, um, I, I know the exact moment that you're even referring to. Um, we're in a spring, well, at least the one that sticks out in my mind. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think I got trucked too often, but we was in a spring game, or it might have been like a spring scrimmage or something along those lines. And uh, Josh Abrams, as a matter of fact, um, ran some sweep to the left, or somehow he got the ball to the left, and uh, he came down and put his shoulder on me, and I actually sprained my AC joint during that play. Um and uh, that was a reminder of, you know, what I didn't do right and how it actually taught me how to tackle, you know what I'm saying, um, understanding what I did wrong on that play. And, you know, uh, how they talk about, you know, player safety and things that not. You know, when you really talk to professionals, it really comes down to fundamentals. You know what I'm saying? There's a way that you can play safe. And oftentimes, you know, they talk about having your head up and things of that nature. But even other injuries, when you really talk to those players, you know, when they get injured, you know, they, they, they'll they oftentimes talk about, well, you know, I took a bad angle. So, yeah, well, you end up with a concussion, but the reason why you end up with a concussion is because you took a bad angle to the ball and then you didn't get you didn't get your head around or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? So that was a true learning moment for me. That was a, a big hurdle that I had to, to pass to become a defensive player, you know, coming from the offense side of the ball. And I've only played offense for the most part, you know, uh, even growing up through high school and, and Pop Warner and things of that nature, you know, so playing defense, you know, I had to get my mind right to tackle. But more than that, it's, it's about technique. And uh, it took a moment like that to understand how to approach a ball carrier, how to get them down and things of that nature. You know, uh, I'm lucky that, uh, you know, I didn't have, uh, that didn't turn into a serious injury and it just turned into just a workable moment for me to learn from. But, that was a key moment. There's a there's a couple other key moments that I've had, but that was definitely one of them that uh you know helped me along my process. You know, but it was a learning moment. You know, yeah, that was definitely part of your journey, Thad. I mean that that moment stood out to me as just such an instrument. It was just such a 
such an instrumental moment in your career. You know, like after I watched you, like in, in 2009, you know, at the end of your career and, and just seeing how far you had come. I mean, it, it was a cool thing, man, to me, like there is nothing better in sports than just seeing a guy improve from, you know, from the time they come in to the time they leave. It, it's a beautiful thing. And I will always love that in, uh, in any, uh, well, especially in college football and college basketball, because those are the two sports I love the most. But it's a thing of beauty when you see a player do that because, you know, no one does that for the player. You know, at the end of the day, the player's got to put in the work. Coaches can help you to a certain degree, but the player has right. to ask themselves, do I want to get better? You know, and I think a lot of like, you know, society today is trying to remove obstacles for people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and you know, Clay mm-hmm. Travis makes a good point in his podcast about how, you know, people eliminating obstacles in today's society. It's a horrible thing because, you know, that obstacle for you, think of how, like, uh, how important that was for you in your Ohio football career, you know? Like, without that. I, I don't know if you become like the player that you were, you know what I mean? I just, I thought it was so important in your career, you know? Well, you know, it, it's deeper than just the, even that moment, you know, uh, even the fact of changing positions and getting my mindset to a place where I know I don't know nothing. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like I, I was playing receiver, you know, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I thought that I was good. You feel what I'm saying? So, so that, mindset doesn't always, you know, um, get you in a place to, you know, humble yourself to work hard to be great. Right. You know, uh, when I changed position, you know, I knew I didn't know nothing. I ain't never played cornerback. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, coach Brown, my first defensive back coach, had teach me how to backpedal. You get what I'm saying? So to ever get on a, get to a, get myself to a position where I was going to play, you know what I'm saying? You know, I had to, you know, work on my craft. You get what I'm saying? Uh, me thinking at receiver, um, there's a lot of different excuses that I can make. You know, they're not throwing me the ball. These certain plays aren't going good, aren't, aren't, aren't you know what I'm saying, the best for me to showcase my skills. You know what I'm saying? A whole bunch of excuses. But, uh, you know, even that, that transition, you know, from, like I said, from receiver to corner, you know, made me switch my mindset. And, and that was the time where I just, everything that I did, I dove into learning more about the position. Um, was blessed to have, uh, you know, Coach Brown really mentor me and teach me the, the foundation of what it takes um, to be good at the position. And, you know, I studied a lot of film. I, I studied a lot of, you know, uh, LSU film um, practice tape, you know, and I would watch their practice tape. And I would do their practice tape, you know, before and after our practices. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I model my game after Rondé Barber. We could watch this film, you know, you know, sun up and sun to sun down. You know, Coach Brown told me, you don't watch Deion. You know, and I, I, you know, why? You know, because you can't do what Deion can do. That's right. Not everybody can run 4-3 and 4-2. You, you know what I'm saying? I was pretty fast, but a 4-2, that's different. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to allow a receiver to get open. And then catch up with them and make a pick on the ball. I wasn't gonna do all that. You know what I'm saying? That's not to say, you know, there there aren't guys that can, but I guarantee you can still be successful in the NFL and in any level, you know, once you understand what you're good at. And that's really what the NFL is about, understanding your niche. Those are the guys that play 
you know, for 10 plus years, they understand their niche, you know what I mean? And, uh, they, they, they know who they are, you know? So, um, that was just part of my, part of my learning, part of my journey. You know, like you said, um, you know, that was the best thing that I could have done is, uh, twist position. You know, Coach Solis called me into his office and he said, uh, you know, you're a short receiver, but you change position, you know, you become a tall corner, you know, overnight, you know, he, he had that come to Jesus meeting with me. And he said, uh, you know, you might have two or three more years playing football if you play uh, receiver, if you continue to play receiver. But you got a chance to, you know, actually go to the NFL at cornerback. And after you say that, that's all I need to hear. You know, so then from that point on, it was just a matter of getting around my coaches and studying and doing everything I could to, you know, perfect that craft, you know. Absolutely, man. And I got nothing but great things to say about Coach Brown, man, for a guy to Forgot to allow a, r- a random guy like me to watch film with you guys. That was uh, that was something that I'll always cherish in uh, my just in the in all the years I've gotten to study football. That was just a really really cool thing where I like learning about the defensive back position. Like you learn so much by slowing it down and just you know he allowed me to ask questions in your guys film session and you know let's be honest man a lot of coaches across the country would never ever ever do that especially for a random guy like me you know what i mean but for coach brown to do that man uh i will certainly never forget that and he was just a true a true technician i mean he was just uh just always about the fundamentals and uh, I, I love watching him uh, teach you guys, man. Right. Yeah, yeah. Coach Brown was, you know, very instrumental in how I learned the position. You know, he's always been really gracious and, and uh, you know, always been a wealth of knowledge and willing to share it. You know, even to this day, as I, you know, transitioned into coaching, you know, he shared so many different points, you know, um, or just coaching things that, that's helped me out in my coaching career, you know. so. And at the end of the day, like him breaking it down to to you, somebody that doesn't play, you know, really shows how well of a teacher he is. You know, if you can't lean on, as they say, if you can't teach it to a kindergartner, how well do you really know it? You don't really know it that well. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he's able to get somebody to understand, you know, what to do, how to do, how to do certain things that may have zero knowledge of the even of the position at all. You know, so that's the sign of a true teacher. And uh, that's the type of things that I like to be able to do when I'm dealing with my team now as a coach is, you know, try to explain it like I'm explaining it to my daughter, uh, to my young daughter. So, um, you know, and that allows everybody just to play fast. You know, when you can understand it from the simplest um, roots of it all, then you can just play fast because you know your why, you know, you know your how. You know, and you're just able to, you know, get after it. Yeah, you know, Coach Brown is definitely a man that loves teaching the game of football. He's he taught. I want to say he taught guys in Japan. I mean, that that was a really cool thing that I learned about him. He's really been all over the world and uh, all over the country. Really, so many mm-hmm. different places that he has taught, and you can tell, you know, that he he genuinely loves teaching. You know, there's a lot of coaches that might just be there because of connections, this or that, but. He genuinely loves to teach the game of football. And uh, that's that's a beautiful thing to see, you know, when you get to be around that in, uh, in any profession, really. But 
Right. Uh, right. You're right. Coach Brown's definitely uh, one of the best as far as I'm concerned. Um, Dad, one of the biggest things I get to talk to all the guys that come on the podcast is about um, their moments of flow and being in the zone. Uh, You know, Mike Vick had on his documentary, he talked about how everything was moving in slow motion for him, even though the guys were running at full speed. Uh, Talk to me about a moment for you that uh, stands out in your Ohio football career. Uh, You know, it really comes down to things kind of coming together. And I can, I can remember it was a point where I learned how to, how to lean on a receiver, you know? Um, and I have to kind of like bring you back just to get to a certain point, but, you know, having an offensive background, it really helped me out because I understood the route tree, you know, to my core, you know what I'm saying? So uh, me understanding how and when certain routes get broken off, um, make their cut really allowed me to get to a point where after a certain point in the in the route I knew that there's only one or two things that they could do that they could be doing and then I could lean on them you know and then become the receiver um and I can I can just recall being able to you know do those do those things and and different points near 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 the end of my career you know uh sort of tail end my junior year my senior year um, and just really being able to push guys kind of off the field and then not even be passing the pressure, just kind of putting my shoulder on them and run them out of bounds and turn myself into the receiver. And uh, I can kind of remember, I think we were playing Central Michigan at home, and uh, one of their receivers ran a go route on me, and uh, I just played it perfectly, and the ball wasn't thrown to my guy, but I was just able to just run him all the way to his sideline to a point where, you know, his receiver, his his coaches over there are just, you know, very disappointed in them because you know you're never supposed to run your face, you know, <laughs> to a point where you're out of bounds. You yeah, know, yeah. so I, I just mushed them all the way out of bounds without <laughs> even, you know, when I had my shoulder, I didn't even have my hands on them. I just leaned on them all the way through he was out of bounds, and uh, you know, I'm kind of laughing and talking junk a little bit all the way down the sideline. You know what I'm saying, and uh, being able to do that, and I was, I was like, man, you know what, I, I I got a I got a good grasp on this thing right now. <laughs> this is this is fun at this point, you know, because at some point, man, playing cornerback, you got to know what you're doing. You know, they can run past you. You feel me? And that's not fun. <laughs> that's not fun. Just striking up the band on you. It's like you know? <laughs> uh, it's like Coach Brown used to call it. He's like, that's a BBQ, <laughs> that's a BBQ. That's a barbecue. Barbecue, honey you know? roasted, baby. Right, you know yeah, you don't want none of those. You, um, know, you know what's uh, funny? You know, even that little motivation in our meeting room um, really, really stuck out in the in the game. The last thing you want to do at cornerback, you know, you can go hundred snaps, but if you give up one, you know, you didn't necessarily have a good game. You had a bad game. <laughs> yeah, they go up, they go up top on you one time. You know what I'm saying? That turns that good game to a bad one, and just with just with that one snap. Yeah, you know. So it, it's a you gotta you gotta be perfect. You gotta throw throw a shutout. You know what I'm saying? Uh, every game, you feel me? So and um, ironically, you know that's something that stuck out in my head. And I was fortunate enough; I only gave up one touchdown my entire career. You know, it was I gave up a slant against. Uh, actually, ironically, I think it might have been Central Michigan. In the um, MAC championship game, was it uh, um, in, in Antonio Brown or Brian Anderson? No, 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 no. It wasn't. It was a big, tall kid. I think he wore number seven. Um, I think that's Brian Anderson, he, white guy. Yeah, 
white guy, absolutely, yep. He yeah. ran a slant on me, and he just bodied me. He was a, he was a big guy out there. He, you know, wasn't more athletic. He just got leverage on my on the inside, and you know that no huddle offense gets you tired. You know, and you get to you get out of your technique, and you tired. You know, and uh, they capitalized on it. Um, you know, which it, they, they had a good offense. They had things clicking over there at the time. Yeah, dude, Dan Lefevre with Antonio Brown and uh-huh. Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson, truly one of the most forgotten receivers in college football right. history that that guy was so fucking good. I mean, he was yeah. putting up numbers on Antonio Brown's level for a couple years and everyone forgets about Brian Anderson. That guy was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that whole offense was just insane. And, uh, right. did you get to go up against, did you, uh, defend Antonio Brown a lot in that game? You know what, to be honest with you, if I did, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, I'll just be real with you, man. Yeah. If I did, I don't remember, you know. Um, so, I, you know, obviously he, he, he was instrumental for what he did there. But uh, I just don't quite remember, man. You know, um, we were so worried about Dan LaFever, or whatever his name was. Yeah, uh, LaFever. Yep. You know, LaFever, he, he ran that offense so good that, you know, it didn't matter who they lined it up out there. It was just. A matter of you know trying to get off the doggone field, man. You know that no huddle had a, had that had they had things going over there, man. Yeah, they, they were they had they had a good click. He he was ridiculous, man. Truly, uh, <laughs> one of the all time college uh, college football greats, Dan Lefevre. He was he was mm-hmm. something else, man. Dad, talk right. to me about one game I wanted to talk to you about, dude. Speaking of being in the zone, dude. Let's talk about. Theo Scott's game versus Temple, dude, when he went absolutely ballistic. I mean, I remember watching that game on TV. I was like, this man looks like baby Vince Young out there. Like, dude, Theo's ball fakes in that game, Dad, like his ball fakes were so pretty. I mean, they were some of the prettiest I've ever seen. Like, he was literally like poetry in motion that game, dude. 393 all-purpose yards, five TDs. Well, Talk to me about Theo's game versus Temple when he balled out. Well, you know, and I mean this, you know, as respectfully as possible, but it was about time shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we couldn't move the ball a lot of times that season, you, you know? <laughs> and uh, we were playing pretty good dog on defense, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of times, you know, you get on the football team and – uh you know, it's kind of split up. You know, you guys are offense and defense. You know, I don't. Get, I, I just trying to win. You, you know what I'm saying? And I'm worried about my part. And my part was defense. I don't know exactly what he was doing over there. You know, but I thought that he always had the talent. And I didn't know that. I I, I wasn't particularly. I didn't think that we executed on the offensive side of the ball as consistently as our talent. You know, um, was. You know what I'm saying? No, uh, that was a good win. You know, I remember. Actually, I, I remember the game. We were able to put up some points that game. Oh yeah. You know, but we could have. We should have won a lot more games. You know what I'm saying? Um, with uh, you know, with some better performances. You know, from a lot of those guys. You know, but Bill was was super talented, man. I mean, he had a good arm. Um, mobile. He kind of reminds you of a lot of the things that you know Lamar Jackson does. Yeah. And um. But the thing about football, man, it's just it's it's the ultimate team sport. Absolutely. You know, um, you got to have 11 guys on the same page, and they all got to execute. You know what I'm saying? One guy messed it up, you know what I'm saying? Everybody messed it up. 
Yeah. You know, so um, the things that he was doing, you know, guys like, you know, like we just talked about Lamar Jackson, they, they're just executing on such a high level nowadays and um, doing some of the some of, some of the same things. But, um, you know, I wish we I wish we would have had more games like Temple. Like he played with Temple during that season, Dude, man, that was know? that was just such an epic game, dude. I just remember watching that game. I'm like, this man cannot be stopped. Like, oh, it was yeah. it was epic, dude. We beat the shit out of Temple. God. Yeah. And it was it yeah, was yeah. snowing. Like there were light little snow flurries. And I was just like, God mm-hmm. damn, what did Theo yeah. eat before this game? God. That was yeah. oh, one of my favorite quarterbacking performances. Like I've ever gotten to watch. That was it, <laughs> that else. was a good game, and I remember that that was a that was a home game, and you know I remember that was one of the games where you know a lot, oftentimes you can play cornerback, and if they don't throw the ball your way, you can just be kind of disappeared on, especially on the stat line. Yeah, um, that was a game where I just felt like I just wanted to be physical, man. This, um, you they, destroyed they you, you destroyed number ten across the middle, dude. Talk to me about that hit. Yeah, um, I think I man, you know what? As I, as I recall, I think I might have even might have been covered two, and um, he ran a little out route, and I read it the whole time. They ran out nine, so that number one receiver ran ran a goal ball, right? But I saw number two get out on his out route. I came down, and right as he caught the ball, I hit him. or I put my shoulder on him. And knocked his helmet off, you know. And uh, Leo Renfro caught his helmet. Um, and there was a couple other, 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 you know, what I'm saying big moments in that game. I remember making some plays, but uh, that was a fun game. I just wanted to be physical that game. They we played some cover two that game, and they they put us on a nub side tight end. A lot of times that game, we would just run it and play cover two from the line of scrimmage, and so uh, it really gave us the opportunity to get involved in the run game. And, uh, you know, it, it being a point in my senior year where I felt like I knew how to tackle, I was trying to show it off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So that was a, that was a fun game. I do remember oh, that. Oh, dude, you tuned yeah. that guy up. That's one of my favorite plays on your highlight day, bro. You fucking smashed yeah. that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. him good. But that talk to me about your recruitment process coming out of high school. That's another thing I really like talking to a lot of the guys about. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, man, I I came out with a I, – I, well, it's unique to me. You know, um, I, Marietta, Georgia, went to play ball at Marietta High School. And um, uh, we, we came from a, a rich football tradition. There's a lot of guys that end up going there. We end up having at least a couple D1 guys that come out that school each year. And um, I came into my senior year with no offers um, and one catch. You know, uh, my senior year, no offers and one catch. You know, I scored on that one catch, but I didn't have enough <laughs> coming into my coming into my senior year. You know, you get what I'm saying. And yeah. uh, this was just like, you know, I gotta I gotta do everything I can and and get a scholarship and and uh, to get a scholarship. And so Brandon Jones was uh, our quarterback, and we worked all summer and we worked all all summer last summer before that. You know, you get what I'm saying. But you know, this was this year at all that that senior year that everything kind of clicked together and. um I caught a bunch of balls and I got a lot of yards and, you know what I'm saying? Had an unbelievable season. And, um, as I were getting, as, as I was getting recruited, you know, uh, you know, my goal was to go D1 as a lot of guys goals are, you know? And, um, so I remember Elon university 
had uh, come to our school. I talked to uh, my head coach, Coach Friday, and uh, Jason Looms was the receiver coach over at Eli University. And uh, he talked to me and he offered me a scholarship, and I said, I'll think about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at the time, I think there might have been uh, one double A or yeah, you they know, were FCS, I, I, whatever. I, case yeah, I think they were D one double A. I think you're right there. Right, exactly. And so, um, you know, it was just kind of just keep my options open. I felt like, you know, I was going to get blessed with a D one scholarship. And so, uh, I remember Coach Mason came in to the office, and um, Coach Friday, man, he's a legendary recruiter. Um, he helped so many kids, and, and I had to had to say this: helped a lot of black kids get full athletic scholarships. We had guys on my high school team to get full athletic scholarships didn't even start. You know what I'm saying? Like just based oh. off of based off of his relationships in the college football world. And uh so um anyway, Coach Mason comes in, he's a receiver coach at Ohio at the time. Um and Coach Solis had and they just put their staff together and uh you know I was actually the assistant for Coach Friday and he said, Yeah, you know, I'm a receiver coach at Ohio, so he comes in looking at receiver film. And so of course I put on my film for him. You know, and uh there was a there was a play that I made. Um I, I caught a post route that was I was really covered. I just jumped up and caught the ball um up on two different guys. And uh after that play, you know, it was pretty early on in in the tape too. Um he said, I see what I seen enough. Right. I, I he goes out to the hallway and I hear him on the phone. And now I know he's talking to Coach Solich, and he's saying, I, I, I found the guy that I want. You know what I'm saying? And I guess he got a, a go-ahead to, to give me the offer or whatever. And so he says, oh, well, comes back in there. He says, uh, you know, I like this kid. You know, I like to offer you. You know, I like to always tell Coach Friday I want to offer that kid. And he found out it was me. So he said, well, he, he also said, well, we can't, I can't fully offer you, but you got to come on the visit. And the head coach will offer you on the visit. You know, and Coach Friday says, no, you can't have him. He's going somewhere else. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what do you mean? He can't uh, have me. What, are you, what are you doing, coach? Right. Like, I have no offers. Right. You hear what I'm saying? I right. Have no offers. He says, nope, you can't have him. He, he, said, he said, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he said, Bowling Green was just in here. He said, they said they like him. They want him. I told him they can have him. You know, that's mm. just what he said. He, and then, then when he left the office, he was like, he's going to call, you know, and that and that was just part of the game that I understood that he understood right. that he put me up on game, you know that that now that he knows that other schools in the conference that he's playing against um, are also interested, they're gonna there's no doubt about it now they're gonna give you the scouts, you know what I'm saying? You know so um, that was his tactic, and I just had to believe in him, you know, and, and still. Um, he might have even came over to our house and spoke to my parents that same day. Coach Mason, I, I think he did. And, uh, you know, from that point after, you know, Coach Friday saying it to him, he was just trying to get me, trying to get me, you know what I'm saying? And the weekend, next weekend or something like that, ended up going to Ohio and they were, and they offered me and recruited me. And, uh, so that's how that situation happened. It was, it was, that was a, that was a true blessing to God coming into my senior year, you know, saying one, well, no offers and one catch you know, as a junior, <laughs> you know, so, and then for that whole thing, that play out with uh, how Coach Friday played that thing, man, uh, I'm forever grateful to him. 
Uh-huh. That's a funny, yeah. that's a funny story, man. You know, the recruiting process, especially I, I spent about eight months being a recruiting writer for the MarshallRivals.com website, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought I knew college football recruiting until I was a reporter and I was like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's basically like a, a circus full of like funhouse mirrors where everything is distorted mm-hmm. and you can't tell who the hell's telling the truth. <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, I forget who I was talking to, but uh, this comes from a from a you know a college coach at a at a power five. But he was telling me like there is not one power five recruit that's recruited legally. There's not one. Yeah, I, I could know? I could see, I could <laughs> yeah, see that. You know, one of one of our coaches said that. Uh, I you know I mean uh, all the all the. You know, we'll we'll talk about that later in the podcast about uh, paying players. I mean, well, you know what? Let's get, yeah. let's just go ahead and jump into it. That, what are yeah. your thoughts on paying players? Because I, I've talked to a lot of guys about uh, paying players, and I, I really think players deserve about three k every month to take care of living expenses and things like that. Um, let, let's hear your thoughts on paying players and how you think players should be paid. Well, it, it's a tricky line. You know, they're definitely bringing value to the university. Um, and they're, you know, essentially not compensated other than through their, you know, scholarship and their education. And I don't think that that should be discredited. Um, I think that it is a amateur thing. You're not a professional, though. You get what I'm saying, Mike? Um, right. You do have to go to school. You, you know, so it, it's a difference when you're a professional. Um, however, but there's so much money that's being made and, and the risk is so great um, that I think that there are things that they could do to to help things out. And I think it's just the right thing. Like, for me, it's not so much about, you know what I'm saying, stipend, even, even though that I think that that's, a, that's not a bad, you know, uh, a road to go down. Mm-hmm. But even more than that, um, long-term health care, I think that that should be something that should be addressed. You know, um, some of these players have some long-term injuries, you know, and uh, who's going to pay for those things? Um, you know, so I think that that's something that has to be addressed. Um, I think that the players need to have a union, you know, outside of just to be able to um, negotiate some of these labor things. Yeah, I it agree. Is, it that. is labor. You know, so uh, I think that's that's those are some of the small things that I, that I think that should happen. Um, as far as like you know, guys being able to make money off their likeness, you know, I think that that's a scary road to go go down too. Because I mean, imagine a a basketball player, um, you know, getting told that we can ensure that you'll make, you know, X amount of millions of dollars or half a million dollars if you stay another year or football player to say, you, you, you know, saying forego going to the league just yet, you know, we'll make sure that this car dealership or this law office or this whatever advertisement book money will come in for you. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that they're going to pay you, but they're going to ensure that they, that you'll get paid. So then now you have an unfair playing advantage, you know, saying from university to university. And it's, then, then it's not necessarily, you know, a amateur thing. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Also, at the same time, you know, it's hard to deny, you know, those those situations. Like with, you know, Reggie Bush, for example. Right. You know, him getting his 
you know, Heisman taken away from him, you know, but thinking about all the money that that that, 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 that team generated while you know, they were there oh, yeah. is, uh, you know, kind of insane to think that, you know, he couldn't, you know, arrange a situation to take care of the, the basic housing um, that his family required, you know, um, to a certain degree. You know, you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. A lot of players, they're in, they're in crazy circumstances and their families are in worse. You know, they don't have, some of their family members don't have um, a meal plan. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like, you know, get into a situation where, you know, they may have to forego their education just so that they can hurry up and be the breadwinner for their family. And in the long run, it, it sets everybody backwards, you know, or at least not in a good place because they may not be educated enough to handle that money or that success when it comes in. And uh, it's just a just an education process. It's a long process that needs to be talked through, but I need to, I think it needs to start with a union, you know? Yeah, uh, so. especially during uh, coronavirus, you know what I mean? You, we, we don't have any sort of players union speaking up right. for all these players saying, like, these are our right. demands to be able to play under mm-hmm. these conditions. You know what I mean? Right. It, Absolutely. It, it's yeah. pretty It's pretty messed up. And not only that, I, I, all these players, they seem terrified to talk because they don't want, you know, any – they don't want any beef with coaches or their teammates and – they seem terrified to talk about like, you know, uh, I'm going to opt out during coronavirus. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, especially as a, as a, as a college player, I mean, what does that, where does that leave you? That leaves you with a situation where you, you can't necessarily, you know, showcase your talent to then get a job, you know what I'm saying? In the NFL or whatever your sport is, you know, um, and you don't know how they're going to rule um, just quite yet. So it leaves you like a take it or leave it type of situation. Nobody's negotiating for you. You know, they just come in, they tell you the rules, whether it's fair or good for you or not, you know, and uh, that's not right, man. You know, because um, yeah. we already know that their bottom line is what make, what's the most important. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, for coronavirus. When to these large, right. Yeah. When it comes to these large organizations and universities, you know, um, I don't necessarily trust that they have the what's best. They have the uh, the best interest out for these players. I think that they're going to think about what's in the best interest for their bottom line first oh, and foremost. Hey, absolutely, said if if nothing has proven us that simple fact, coronavirus has has proven that in the biggest of ways. I, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. Dad. I'm fucking blown away that all these people. Like NFL's like, we're going forward. These are our schedules right. and all these guys right. testing positive. We're just going to keep going. I mean, to me, I am super cautious with this thing. Like quite honestly, what is it going to take? Is it going to take someone to die for, for them to call it off? I mean, to me, it shouldn't, you know it, it shouldn't take that. I think it's bullshit, man. And I'm the biggest football fan ever, but God damn, this is, this is some sick shit, man. Right. That'll be the, the biggest tragedy if that something like that would happen. I was actually thinking about that, you know, uh, today um, as I forget, I think it was the Cardinals. They have like, you know, m- more than 10 guys to end up uh, with a positive test. You know what I'm saying? After the Marlins just had like 14, 15, half their team uh, come up with a positive <laughs> test. And now, you know, 
God forbid, you know, one of those players end up in a critical, you know what I'm saying, health situation or even, you know what I'm saying, die. You know, God forbid something like that happens just for the pursuit of sport. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I it's, think that, it's just I, not you know, worth it. It's not worth it, man. And not only that, a lot of these guys think about it, man. If you get COVID and you're, you're a potential top draft pick, like Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech opting out, I do not blame him one minute for opting out because guess what? If you get COVID and COVID like messes your like physical ability enough, which by the way, it has for a number of people to where they couldn't do their jobs like as effectively. There was a woman who was a Medicaid auditor. She she can't even do her old job anymore. So if that's happening to a Medicaid auditor, what do you think's gonna happen to some of the greatest athletes on the planet? That is a major problem that no one's talking about. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Especially when they're saying that, you know, it affects your lungs, man. And, you know, you got to be able to breathe, you know, so that oxygen gets to your blood and it makes your, your muscles work. You know, I, I would actually, you know, think that it would affect the athlete, you know, even more yeah. than, you know, somebody else sitting out of there. I agree. You, you that, know what I'm saying? That's so. exactly why I said that. I think it's definitely going to affect athletes a lot. And, I think that everyone's just kind of saying, oh, well, so-and-so's positive. We're going to we're gonna put them away for two weeks, and they'll come out, and they'll be perfectly fine. No one, well, no, one considers, no one considers the fact that we don't even really know all the long-term effects of this virus. It's, it's so right. insane, dude, to, like, listen, no one loves football more than me. All these people say that people are rooting for sports to be canceled. Listen, I am I am for like player safety and I don't want to see anything happen to these players long term because it's just not worth it. You know, I like you said, I'm I'm the, the last person that wants sports canceled. You know what I mean? Uh, uh the first thing I did yesterday was the was the first day that the uh the NBA had its restart, right? Mm-hmm. First thing I did was watch Sports Center. Couldn't wait. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I couldn't wait. <laughs> On top of knowing and, and watching a good bit of the games, anyway, I, I wanted to watch sports. And, you know, I wanted to watch the highlights. You know, that's just part of what I do. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to come back. And, and, then, and then don't talk about football. I'm just a casual basketball fan. You understand what I'm saying? So football, there's nobody that wants football, like you said, to come back more than me. But, you know, it has to be done right, man. I don't think that it's worth, you know, you know, dying over. Um, and, it's, and it's a privilege. And we've been taught that it's a privilege. But then, in that case, we got to act like it. It's not something that's, ne- that's a necessity. But it's big business at this point. Big business. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it, it, it's a – the argument can go a lot of different ways. A lot of money and a lot of people being affected, even by the not – playing the game that, you know, with uh, fans in the stands. Yeah. You know, somebody's selling popcorn. Somebody's selling park. park right. right. not now getting that um, that income. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's a complicated situation. You know, um, we got to do the best we can. I know that, you know, and uh, hopefully we got people that are that are trying to think, of, think deeper than a selfish motivation of, you know, their, their bottom line, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know that I have that faith, 
I lost that faith long ago, Thad. That's, uh, that, <laughs> that, hey, that, that ship has sailed, Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, Dad, let's hey, let's get see. let's get back to uh um some of the football memories. Dad, talk to me about some of your favorite some of your favorite uh football memories from from your Ohio days. I mean, I know we talked about that Temple game, but uh, I know you were also a part of the team that um won won the MAC East against Akron uh-huh. in 2006. Talk to me about that game and the and the fireworks going off after that game. Well, you know, uh that was, you know, exciting. Um just to get us to that point, especially from me feeling like, you know, I was a big part in building where Ohio is today. You know, uh when Coach Souls got there being his uh part of his first recruiting class. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of things that changed. We tried to change the culture and, um, you know, get on a winning path, um, that Ohio wasn't necessarily on before, you know, those folks had got there and they were changing offense up and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, to get to a point where play for a MAC championship game was, you know, it was one of those moments where I think all of us, especially in my class, you know, felt like we built something. It wasn't even just about that one season. You know, it goes back to um, first day of summer and we're all freshmen, you know, looking at each other and, you know, us having that conversation said, we're going to be a difference. We're going to turn this program around. You know what I'm saying? Um, Those types of situations. And looking over at, at Mike Mitchell, and, um, you know, Brandon Jones and, uh, Chris Garrett and people that was in that class with me, you know, and that was, that was our goal and we accomplished it. You know, we were part of the legacy of, uh, moving Ohio in a better place. So, you know, that was a, that was an accumulation of a lot of hard work. Let me tell you, you know, but some of my fondest memories of Ohio, you know, I don't even, don't even, have anything to do with football. You know, it has to do with the people and a lot of those were football players, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Ohio's a great place to go to school at. Man, uh, I had a blast. I learned a lot about myself, you know, so it was just one of those one of those places. And, and speaking of Mike Mitchell, one of my favorite moments is, uh, you know, playing, playing basketball. I used to get dragged to, um, you know, saying the wreck and playing basketball. Mike and Idris, um, Lawrence and, you know, saying Steve Jack and, you know, they used to drag me out and play basketball. And so my dad used to tell me, you know, you can't play basketball. You know, you can, you can roll your ankle. You know what I mean? Like, so even when I was playing basketball, you know, I kind of felt a little guilty, you know what I mean? Because my dad was always like, you can't play basketball if you're football player. You can roll your ankle. You know what I mean? And, uh, but we had a lot of good, we had a lot of, a lot of fun, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I, that's what I remember most about Ohio. You know, those people. Um, those types of experience, experiences, you know, swaying with each other, really putting in the work, you know, saying, and, and ultimately the legacy that we were able to build, you know what I'm saying? So it was good. It's a good place. It's a great place to go to school. Absolutely. Thad, talk to me about your, your time in the pros. I saw you, you spent a little bit of time with the Colts, Patriots, and Bobcat Attack also had that you, you did, you spent some time with the Cardinals. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Those are three my three stops. 
um, it was a, you know, it was a great experience. You know, I would say it like that. Um, it was a, it was a really fun experience. Um, I learned a lot. I got so many stories, uh, in each, each different place I can do something, but you know, uh, let's hear it. Uh, okay. Um, for example, okay. So, uh, I got a story for you and it involves an, an uh, all time great quarterback. Um, so first day walking to Indianapolis, undrafted free agent and, uh, Peyton Manning is walking through the locker room, right? <laughs> this is rookie mini camp or something like that. So, you know, there's really not a whole bunch of veterans around, but, uh, he's walking through the locker room and he's, he's shaking his hand and introducing himself as if nobody knows who he is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he's like, <laughs> like, I'm like, it's like Barack Obama saying, Hey, how you doing? I'm Barack Obama. Like, we know. Yeah. Sure. You know what I'm yeah, like, sure. So Peyton, Peyton Manning, like, introducing himself, like, taking everybody's hands, you know. And uh, I remember he, he gets to me, and he said, hey, how you doing? My name is Peyton Manning. You know, it's good to meet you. And then uh, I go to, to tell him my name. He was like, I know who you are. You're Dan Turner, man. You played Tennessee that year, man. You played us so good. And he just, like, talked about that game, and he really remembered me. He knew who I was. And that blew my socks off playing like <laughs> just that was the first day, you know what I'm saying? Like Kate man he knew I would if he was watching my film and, and took check me out, you know what I'm Damn, saying? I was playing all modern. Yeah, man. So that was an amazing day. That was a crazy story, you know what I mean? Uh, just being being having that acknowledgement. Everybody wants that a little bit, you know? Yeah. When Peyton Manning tells you he, he watched one of your games, I mean sh- I would have lost my mind. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I actually did. I, I remember that game. I was fired up, you know, uh, to play Tennessee. And that was uh, another game, like I talked about earlier. You know, um, got a little progression on offense. Damn it, could have won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris Garrett. Chris Garrett had that kick return in that game, yes, bro. He did. Yes, he did. You know, um, we had him on the ropes. We had Tennessee on the ropes, man. Um, I was trying to do anything I could to make play uh, that game. I probably, I probably tried a little bit too hard, you know what I mean. To a certain point, um, they ran like a little, a little boot, and on film they're running boot and they're running comeback, and then I, all I saw every time they ran boot, they ran comeback, you know. So I had in my mind when they ran this damn boot, I'm gonna pick that shit off, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I, and so I saw it, and of course they ran comeback, they ran a stutter go on me, you know what I mean? And um, I think it was uh, uh, who was the quarterback at the time? Uh, starts with the C. Um, he ended up playing with the Patriots uh, for a little bit too. Either way it goes, um, his last name starts with the, with the C. Um, he ended up overthrowing the the, uh, the stutter go that you know what I'm saying looked like that comeback. And uh, wasn't you know, was uh, wasn't Casey Clawson? Was it? No, nah, I wasn't. I, I think I think he was way he was way before actually. Yeah. He he was like early two yeah, thousands, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was reaching on that play. You know what I'm saying? I didn't read the receiver. I was just like, you know what? If I see this jam, <laughs> I see him running boot. You know, and then he and then he kind of looks like he's gonna break down and run his comeback. I'm a, I'm a jump his route. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I kind of was overthinking, trying to make too much plays. But you know, they ended up in you know. At, incomplete pass but uh ended up working out but i certainly um it is some good things you know what i'm saying that game 
when I was firing up, man, I really wanted to win that game, man. And, oh man, I was I was so fired up for you guys watching that game. I think I feel like I was watching that game either on ESPN or like ESPN three. I don't know. I feel like I was watching on my laptop and I was just like screaming at the screen, dude, when Chris Garrett scored that TD. I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> I, was, I was so jacked up, dude. Like we're ahead of Tennessee. Let's go, baby. I know. Like, I know man. We played, we played a lot of our, you know, quote unquote money games. Man. We played a lot of them to the wire, man. And, you know, to be honest with you, that was, uh, you know, th- that was some of the things that I wish that we could have gotten over the hump at my time at Ohio. But we did leave a good legacy, uh, you know, as far as being, uh, you know, the top seeds in, in the in the MAC each year coming out of that situation. But we could never really quite at the time we could never really close out that that money game, that big game. You know, when we played an SEC team or we played a Big Ten team. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that was a little bit, um, you know, didn't leave a, a good a good taste in my mouth, you know. But, you know, we, we certainly were competitive. I mean, we played a lot of them to the wire. You know, thinking about Ohio State, we played them. We think about Northwestern, we was up on them. Um, you know, Tennessee, um, I feel like it was a whole hit. We were up on the UConn. Well, you guys you know, beat was, you guys you know, beat uh, Illinois at Illinois, right? We did do that, you know. Um, probably with Ron Zook at the time. You, you don't know which quarterback he wanted to play. He had ten damn quarterbacks on the roster, you know, so <laughs> so that yeah, was a uh, part of that time, you know. <laughs> That's funny, man. Zook. Zook recruited one of my all-time favorite quarterbacks, man. Chris Leak, that guy could spin one of the prettiest spirals I've ever seen in my life. That dude. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he recruited every quarterback in the in the '90s and 2000s. He was a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, he was over recruit. Shit, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was a hell of a recruiter. that was he that was always uh, Zooks. That was always his mo. You know, like he's a great recruiter and not a very good like in game coach. You're right. Yeah, that was his little. Uh, that's what they thought about him. That's true. to the flow theory podcast you can listen to our podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and tune in